0: This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers.
1: We've done a lot of things that have failed. I'd be lying if I said no, never. So, an example that comes to mind, we changed our packaging, and that, of course, drove people to the smaller size. So, you've always got to be mindful of what grabs the customer's attention.
0: That's Lawrence Mitchell. He's the Chief Customer Officer at Sumo Salad. I'm Adam Jaffrey. And I'm Michael Momsen. So, today we're speaking to a Chief Customer Officer, which is very exciting. There's not many around in Australia. And, you know, we've started to see these roles pop up a bit recently. So, Michael and I were excited to find out exactly what Lawrence does. For context, Sumo Salad is a quick service restaurant in Australia. They serve healthy meals for busy professionals. And as you'd expect, the in-store experience is paramount for a retail brand like Sumo Salad. And make sure you listen out for the great tip that Lawrence drops today about how to ensure senior management knows what's going on at the customer level of your organisation. We kicked off our conversation with Lawrence by asking him to define the key components of customer experience.
1: I would think about it as everything that actually touches the customer. So from a Sumo point of view, we have a number of different touch points. Our stores are one of the main touch points. We have uh, almost 100 stores around Australia and some overseas, but then also the digital touch points. So in our world, we have a mobile app, we have a website, social media presence, advertising, all of which uh, will have some kind of influence
2: And one thing that we love to ask is, what do you think's been one of the most memorable customer experiences that you've had this year so far?
1: From a personal experience, less so. And what's really impressed me actually has been more experiences that I've been watching. So, Mm. for example, I was watching a video just about the future experience in retail where customers go in, buy their products automatically and leaves the store and mm. from a time-poor professional's point of view and our customers are time-poor professionals or a large group of them are that's what you want you don't want to wait so that kind of experience is what impresses me real convenience and i, I haven't had that directly although i guess the examples i would use would be uber and um, that kind of experience because it's really convenient
2: that's no, so true it, I mean, I, I remember the first 5.10 Uber rides, and I'm sure everyone relates to this, it, it, it did feel borderline magical. <laughs> it sort of gets, gets overused, that word, but, um, you know, it, it almost felt so good that it was wrong, like just walking straight out of the car and going, oh, wow, like the payments are just all being looked after itself. <laughs>
1: Completely.
0: Lawrence, you've been seven months now in the chief customer officer role at Sumo Salad. So, tell us, you know, what's been the priority? What have you been doing uh, those those first seven months?
1: It's been an amazing seven months, to be honest. I kind of came into the middle of a a lot of change. So the first big priority has really been understanding our customers in a deeper way um, and segmenting them and profiling them and recognising what our brand actually means to them um, and moving the story on. So Sumo is 14 years old. The brand means health. The brand means quality to customers, which is great. And now we're building on that to the next level. And then the other area has been building the team. So, we've hired some great people and what I call digital first. So, very much integrating digital uh, technology and tools into our entire experience.
2: I'd love to unpack the whole CCO title. I mean, I'd, I'd, in terms of you know large Australian organizations, I don't think there's probably too many. So, you're certainly in a... In a, in a relatively small collection of executives that, that that carry that chief customer officer title, you know, and I'm sure it'd be different in each organisation what they how they think about it. But clearly, uh, Sumo Salad went. This is a priority for us. You know, we want to have the, the customer at the heart. Can you maybe sort of unpack a little bit in terms of the actual role, um, and maybe how you see it come to life, and then also maybe how you see it, you know, with your peers in the industry.
1: The reason I'm called chief customer officer is in recognition that customers are very important to us so very central to us and we think about customers not just as end customers as i say but also thinking about employees and franchisees all as customers
2: oh, that's interesting so they would fall under your remit in terms of when you take a holistic view of customer
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Um, so, evolving the brand and the culture because you can't do one without the other. So, mm. energising the culture will have an impact on the customer experience. So, um, that very integrated uh, approach. So, that that is my role: the looking at the whole customer experience, that journey, interfacing with different um, with different um, departments. So, I get to I get to um, poke my nose in, I guess, into mm. lots of different areas because it all will impact the customer experience. or so really joining, joining up. Marketing mm. is a big part of the role. Um, and I've hired a great new head of marketing. So I've been quite hands on in, um, in marketing. Um, but now, um, now we've got a, a stronger team. I, I'm, I'm stepping back and really looking at, um, other areas that really impact the experience um, and really trying to elevate digital and technology.
2: That's interesting. So the marketing office doesn't sit separate to the um, the customer office. Is that is that right? Like, or is there a CMO as well that that runs um, marketing, or you have marketing sitting under um, the, oh. the the chief customer officer?
0: Marketing sits under the chief customer. Yeah. Wow. Geez, it's not like that in a lot of brands, is it? No, that's really unique. It's backwards, yeah. yeah, it's great. What was, the, what was the thinking behind
2: that? And 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 maybe I'd like to sort of maybe throw a second question in there. Like, was this established when you joined, or was there a w- was this role um, there beforehand? But yeah, sort of interested in the genesis of that setup because yeah, like Adam said, that is relatively unique.
1: I think marketing, is, certainly in overseas marketing, comes under chief customer officers. There are different there are different ways to actually look at it. The role wasn't in place uh, until I joined. There was, there was a, um, a head of marketing previously, but as the business changes and develops uh, our offerings and moves into different markets, into different areas, it is that question, how can we become more of a, Customer-focused organization. That was a question that that lucas CEO, asked. And to really focus on customers, you've got to have someone in the organization that really champions the customer and really goes deeper and understands the customer, who they are, what they want, and what their um, their view of our brand and our um, offering is. So that's why the role was created, and it's evolved over the last seven months. To take on different areas of responsibility and um, that enables the customer to have a much stronger presence in our in our organization because my role touches every part of the organization.
0: Mm,
2: that's really interesting. And I think it's one of these roles where it is relatively new. I mean, I suppose the first chief custom officer is probably have only been around sub five years, you know, versus a CMO or a CFO, does the role almost become quite unique relative to the organization like it is for you? Because I could imagine maybe another chief customer officer who doesn't have the empowerment of, for example, having marketing dollars, you know, sitting underneath them, they play maybe a bit more of, uh, you know, having to jump around the silos and sort of convincing them to always keep the, you know, customer at the heart and then sort of having to go around almost on an sure. internal uh, evangelism um, mission. But you're yeah, sort of interested in your dialogue in, in with, with other chief customer officers and what have been some of the themes and some of the hearts of those discussions?
1: There are chief customer officers certainly in, in the UK and the US who have uh, more of the, the role that you describe um, and it can be a bit purist and that's why marketing, I think the whole role of marketing is involving um, mm. what is the future of a chief marketing officer and that these are the conversations we have um, with, um, with with peers. It's does, should marketing be called marketing because it's mm. a greatly misunderstood function Um Many people see marketing just as advertising, as opposed to something which is much more strategic and has a real impact on the customer experience, because it's not just about acquisition, it's also about retention and and developing a much deeper relationship with the customer. And that's why in our organization, uh, marketing comes under uh, under the chief customer officer role, and it isn't unique. Certainly, in, in other retail organizations, I'm seeing the same uh, the same setup. And in, in fact, in some organizations that I've spoken to, the whole thing comes under the chief customer officer, mm-hmm. including uh, retail operations. Uh, oh, wow. Marketing very holistic, but also mm-hmm. has the resources to be able to uh, to to be able to execute.
0: It's interesting, Lawrence. I, I think. Um it's almost like we need to rename chief executive officer to the chief experience officer because they're kind of the head of the board and they oversee every unique department. But, you know, we're moving into this kind of phase of the market where customers and their their interactions and experiences with a brand are paramount. I wanted to understand a little bit more about the, the internal structure at, at Sumo. And, you know, you talked about how marketing sits underneath customer, I guess, if you can call customer a department. um, What about digital? What about HR? You know, there's a lot of kind of confusion about who owns the customer experience generally between departments and a lot of organizations. So, can you give us a bit of insight into that?
1: Nobody really owns it. Someone champions it and I champion it, reminding uh, people that we do have a customer and we need to understand who they are and we have tools to help us do that. But nobody actually owns it. I don't own the customer. I care about the experience and I care about understanding what the experience is like now. And I care about how can we make it better and how can we improve it. But our setup is we're not a, we're a large brand, but we're not a large organization. We're a franchisee model. So we have um, a network of franchised uh, businesses around the country and our head office structure is customer. I call it customer experience and marketing as a department. And we work in cross-functional teams. So with um, operations, with um, HR, with finance, because we work on, on projects that very much require cross-functional skills so that's one thing that i'm i'm very passionate about is mm. that we're not a siloed organization that we do join the pieces up so we can see that entire customer journey that entire customer experience and we do care about it in a holistic way and mm. the only way we can do that is by talking together as a as a team and, um, and making sure we re-understand really what's happening
2: I really like how you, um, you say you're championing the customer and that really, you know, is almost the badge. Uh, you even, even the way that you say that, it sounds like you wear that with, with pride, which is, which is awesome. Um, have you got some examples of where you've, you know, really had to bring that to life?
1: I think to champion the customer, we need to understand who the customer is. Mm. So we've gone through a, a strategic exercise where we've segmented and grouped our customer. Building on traditionally, we would looked at we, we looked at our customers from a um, our consumers uh, from a demographic point of view, and now we've overlaid attitude to health we're a health brand so that was important so we've grouped it in different ways and brought them to life as personas and uh, and now pin them up around the walls so that we're bringing the customer into our into our mindset all the time and it stops us being very internal so when you're championing the customer often it means it's just asking the question how will this help kathy who's one of our personas How will this help her? Mm. And if we can't answer that, then we might have got it a little bit wrong. But having those personas, having that understanding of our customers, it drives everything. It drives our product development. It drives our store development. It drives our content strategy. It drives everything. And if we didn't have that deep understanding and we're building that now in a deeper way, then we wouldn't be able to delight and surprise our customers both now and the future.
2: Have you found that easier if you've got the persona, and then someone's looking to making an initiative that's maybe you know uh, not as customer centric as you'd like to see it? Are you sort of going, "Hey, what would Kathy think? <laughs> you know, how would this delight Kathy?" Is that is that actually how you bring it to life? That's exactly
1: right. Yeah, they're, they're quite detail prefer. They're, they're people. Mm. They're real people who are based on research and data. Mm. So if we and it enables you to get because sometimes you can rush to market. Uh, Our products are food, so you can develop them quite quickly, but you can get them a little bit wrong. But when you're really sense checking that and testing it with customers, the whole thing flows. So you know who your customers are. You can test it with the right customers and you can really create that experience that wows customers Mm. because you know them. You're inside their heads and you can create content that really connects with them. Everything becomes much, much easier when you know who you're serving. And you almost speak to them as individuals as opposed to a mass market.
0: Lawrence, we're going to head into a bit of a quick fire round now. Um, So, I'm going to be really strict on this. 10 seconds to answer each of the next four questions. Uh, (laughs) Your time starts at the end of the first question. If you could change one thing about any industry to improve its customer experience, what would it be?
1: the service particularly in the hospitality industry
2: Are there any books or resources that come to mind that have uh, influenced you as you think about customer experience so if someone else really um, wants to up their game is there any, any books or resources that come to mind
1: Yeah I've just finished a book I mean I read a lot but I've just finished Conscious Capitalism uh, mm-hmm. which for me just summarises everything I believe in um, it's a story of Whole Foods really their approach Um, It really aligns customer experience across the various different stakeholders. So in our world, that would mean franchisees, that would mean employees and customers. And by getting the experience right across all those different people, then it all integrates and it has an impact.
0: Boom. That one was maybe a little longer than 10, but I I thought I'd let you have a little give (laughs) me. Lawrence, how do you delight customers at Sumo Salad?
1: We delight customers by delivering a great product uh, at the core, we um, put a lot of effort into the food. So food and then the experience, service, sampling, in-store experience, digital experience to support that.
2: Great. Is there a common complaint that you, you hear across the board? Because we're a food company, it tends
1: to be the lettuce isn't uh, crispy. Oh, no, interesting. Before.
2: That's hard to get, it's hard to get right, isn't it? I mean,
1: it is. <laughs> it's necessary, but, but we try really hard, but you can't please everyone.
0: Is it always yeah, the I mean, lettuce or is, is it uh, the chicken wasn't cooked enough? Or like, is there a common ingredient that people very much dislike?
1: No, to be honest, we track our customer complaints every day. We don't get many at all. And okay. they always tend to be one particular ingredient that is different. If there was a common theme, we would, we would uh, obviously realize we've got a problem, but they tend to be much more individual preferences.
2: Mm, yeah, I think lettuce is super hard, right? I, mean, I don't know what the, the lifespan is, but it's, prob- it's probably some three, four days, maybe even two days <laughs> before you really lose that super crispness and freshness. So that's a, it's a tough one to
0: work in. Welcome to the Lettuce Podcast. Um. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what are some challenges that you've had trying to bring to life? You know, the idea of delighting a customer when you're working with franchises.
1: And that has been a challenge, and that's been new new for me joining Sumo. Getting people on the right in, in the right mindset has been has been a challenge, uh, because. Some franchisees, they're small business owners and they may not fully appreciate the importance of concepts like lifetime value of a customer and really serving a customer well so that they go and advocate your product and that leads to more customers coming through. Some franchisees, which has been a challenge, can can be more focused on the short term, be more cost-focused and not see the big picture. And the way we've got around that, there's been two initiatives that, has, have really helped. One, we have an in store, what we call the side by side program, where our, our head office staff, all of us, every function works for a whole day in a different franchise store. And that, that has really mm-hmm. been beneficial. I was in Melbourne actually just last week in the um, Chadstone shopping center, and it was amazing. It was a really good experience. It was hard work, but we <laughs> saw the world from the same page because yeah. otherwise you're talking about an issue. From a very different perspective, mm. but by working together, doing the job, working side by side, you can then talk about solutions to the same problems but that was that's an incredibly useful uh, initiative and then what we did just this week is we brought we brought all of our um, our whole network, all of our franchisees to Sydney to have a um, a, a, a conference an event where we actually launched. Our brand, our, our evolved brand uh, promise, and our our, our new values that underpin that promise, as well as the customer segments that um, that I mentioned before. So we're now all on the same page, and we've also got a similar language. So one of the biggest challenges is continuously focusing on education, educating our franchisees, so that they do see the bigger picture, that they are connected, they don't feel isolated, and that they feel that they're part of something much bigger. Because they are brand champions, and if they focus too much on costs and the experience isn't good, then the whole brand could be damaged.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you were talking about how um, you know people from head office go out and actually work side mm. by side in the in the franchise stores. That's uh, that's something that I th- I've always kind of thought that is because. The people on the front line are generally the ones that um, that have all the information. They have they have the customer touch point. They speak to them every day. And they're the ones that understand the customer's hopes and dreams as well as their problems and frustrations. I think that's a, a really great program. In what other ways do you get feedback from franchisees and and figure out what the customer wants and get, I guess, information back up the chain from the people who have these direct interactions?
1: So if you think about franchisees as our customers and stakeholders, because, because they are, they are our customers. So going out into the store is one, is one initiative. We, um, we survey them a lot. So we ask them questions. We have a quarterly, uh, what we call a, um, happiness index. So the Sumo happiness index where we're asking, um, it's based on the net promoter score, oh, which, uh, which I know you're familiar uh-huh. with. Um, yes. and uh, we will, we will ask those those questions internally just to understand where uh, where people are what the issues are so we can then use that feedback to take action it's not just the franchisees it's also their staff mm. so it's a whole uh, it's a whole network because we are a community of people and that's what we what we what we need to do so we can act on that so we do that we do that quarterly and then we'll do more specific um feedback sessions like roadshows so and um, since i've been here i've been to all of the states i've met the franchisees in their stores i've spoken to them about their specific issues about what opportunities they see about how we can help how we can work together because the benefits the benefits of the two sides coming together if you like, is that the franchisees do have that day to day contact with customers they see customers they know their regular customers, and they will have a a view about what sells mm. and what doesn't um But what we have, of course, is that more global perspective and we have access to specialist skills and tools and technology. So when you combine the two together, that's when the magic really does happen and you you feel very um, energized by, by the whole thing.
2: How do you ensure that you've got that regular, um, you know, comms going out? Like, is it, a, is it a case of, you know, you're literally just like emailing them regularly? You know, do you have some some internal programs or tools to actually ensure that the guys on the front line are, you know, quite clear about, you know, why it is that you're, you know, launching this initiative or why is it that this Katie persona or <laughs> whatever the names might be, you know, why why is that important and how that then shows up?
1: Uh, completely. I mean that, that is the biggest challenge in a distributed business because you don't get that mm. benefit of, you know, corridor conversations. Correct. So we're dependent we have an operations team. So in our business they are very much of the glue. They, um, each Mm -hmm. of them are responsible for a region. So there'll be uh, an ops uh, representative for each state, a number of stores, and it will be their role to support, to coach, to guide, to ensure that the franchisees are compliant um, and also to develop and, and to grow. So that's an important channel. We have the conference. We, we did one this week, as I said, which was, which was great, and we're going to do that twice a year. So we do that at the start of spring. So spring is a really important time for us, and we'll, we're going to do yeah. it again at the start of autumn. What we've also just launched um, on the back of the conference are monthly webinars, which are much more topic-focused. Oh, you do, we have a lot of people uh, across the country. We need to be able to use this kind of experience. So, using video platforms to be able to bring everyone together so that we can do a presentation and we can focus on local store marketing, for example. So and,
2: and out of interest, like practically, because they're obviously working, you know, almost I would, I would imagine like seven to seven, yeah. <laughs> like in the store, <laughs> um, you know, how do you actually execute that? Are you like recording videos and then distributing and then seeing that they're viewing it and then they're responding, you know, or or are you, you know, literally hosting uh, webinars at uh, you know nine pm, and then you've got you know different time zones. I- I'm actually quite interested in the-, the practicalities of this coming to life.
1: The logistics is a big challenge. Many of our stores are based in shopping centres at the moment, which means that they are done by 3 o'clock um, because it's more around the lunch oh, time. Okay. We do have some stores that are focused on breakfast, increasingly so. Some that are open later into the evening, but the majority are still lunchtime focused. But we, we, we tend to do it around 4 o'clock, um, which is mm-hmm. quite a good time. We'd never do our lunchtime. That would be the worst time. <laughs> Nobody, then <laughs> that would be the time to do it, and then we record it as well so people can watch it on their mobiles and we oh, nice. access it. And we also use WhatsApp as a great tool to be able to share because uh, many of our um, sumo community, if you like, are based in stores in retail and therefore are not sitting by computers at desks, so having mobile access and being able to take pictures
2: out of interest do you literally have all the franchisees on a mega you know whatsapp i mean your phone must blow up with uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we, we experiment with different things so we've been experimenting yeah, with cool. for the last couple of months just internally in the head office okay. to think could this work and it's yeah, gone yeah, really yeah. well. You know, it started off slight. So now we're extending it to our franchisees, but not all at the same time. Mm. Um, so yes. Because we're encouraging it's the clever. franchises to be, you know, to sort of buddy up. We want them to be supported because many of them feel very isolated. So, and that's really what the conference was about, was to help them not feel isolated, to feel supported and to feel, you know, part of something, something bigger. So that's a key part of engagement and the national conferences. And then we have state, state roadshows mm-hmm. as well. So there's a lot of communication, but it's never enough. That's the feedback we always get. It's so true. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's, it is the, um, the curse of the distributed business, if you like. Oh, <laughs> In terms of having flexibility, you do have to work harder at the comms because you, yeah. you can easily get left out of a conversation and just not know what's happening, and that can mm. lead to unnecessary stress. Yeah, exactly we, we have one rule with our with our whatsapp though because it is very much focused on positive sharing so it's it's really around what's good what's what's happened that we can celebrate so that we can lift the spirits because yeah brings some say, energy yeah. yeah bring some energy because as you say working in in hospitality is, you know, it's hard work, and you're 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 on show. It's like doing a performance. You're serving customers. Not every Sorry. customer is going to be, um, uh, is going to be as happy as you'd like them to be. But we work really, really hard, and therefore having a moment um, during the day or during the week to really celebrate success is important to lift uh, to lift everyone's spirits and everyone's energy.
0: I love that. We've talked a lot about communication and channels that you use when dealing with franchisees. Um, I want to ask you about channels uh, that you interact with customers on, you know, the end customer. You know, obviously, digital is, is important, um, you know, broad mass market marketing, but I think the pinnacle is really the in-store experience. And I'd like to know if there's an example you can tell us about a time that you've deliberately engineered something in store to improve the customer experience
1: what the app has enabled customers to do is to order and collect and that mm. has saved significant times and we've seen that really really starting to take off particularly in our in our in our, in our central uh, business district
0: um, how about on the contrary have you guys done something in store uh, that's failed
1: We've done a lot of things that have failed. I'd be lying if I said no. Never. <laughs> we try and we tried to quote uh, one of our speakers the other day. I mean, he said, "Fail fast, learn quickly, and fail forward." and um, I really like that. I mean, we talk a lot about failing failing fast, but often you forget the learning piece. And I think when you combine the two, that's true. then you really can. It
2: shouldn't just be a badge of honor in its own right. Like I failed and then that, you know, that's it. You know, exactly. Click.
1: That's it. You give up.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, completely. Um, so an, an example that comes to mind that we've changed recently was we had a big promotion. We changed our packaging at the back end of last year and we have three sizes of packaging for deli and we um we promoted heavily the fact that the smaller packaging was bigger and that of course drove people to the smaller size which is commercially not not what we wanted so by changing that we we, we saw the trend and um, start to reverse so you've always got to be mindful of what grabs the customer's attention mm. because that will um you know drive their behavior and then in terms of purchasing. So we use digital communication to help us understand and optimize our in-store communication. So oh, yeah. we tested words and language and pictures, because if we can do a Google ad, for example, and we can see how the market responds, then of course that gives us more confidence if we're, if we're um, producing in-stock collateral that is going to go, nat- it's going to go um, nationally and um, we need to get it right.
2: Mm, mm.
0: That's genius. Like, I've not heard of businesses using kind of like A-B testing on social ads or Google ads or whatever, um, seeing which performs best and then kind of using that imagery uh, in printed collateral or mass media marketing stuff. It makes perfect sense, but I've, I've not yeah. heard that before.
1: With the same customer, you know, and you're, you're yeah. looking at the customer at the center of all these different touch points. But if you just do it in the offline world, then you're second guessing and it's very expensive to do research.
0: Yeah, so that's true
1: it's an easy way to test and learn. We try and test and learn everything. You know, we go through a, a discovery process and then a test and learn process. And then we're always thinking what's the quickest and most efficient way for us to test, to validate our own ideas, yeah. give us confidence so that we can we can invest our resources with a feeling we're going to get a decent return and it's going to hit the customer need.
2: I'd love to um, understand if you sort of took all the research that you've had, combined it with the conversations that you've had with franchisees, combine it with, you know, your own personal in-store experiences and, you know, everything that, that you guys um, know, like, what would you boil down the sort of the, the absolute must delivers?
1: I think it starts before that. I think it starts by having a purpose as a business that customers increasingly feel that you're doing good in society. So, we tick that box. You Mm. know, our mission is to make Australia healthier and happier. Mm. Our new brand promise is fueling greatness because ultimately, our product fuels greatness. People feel much better. People feel amazing. So, we're not just selling lunch. We're selling health.
0: How do you ensure that you're actually delivering on that, on on the brand promise? You know, what what are you measuring to make sure that that's actually coming to life in the customer's mind?
1: You have a vision, and I would say that to make it practical, it's progress rather than perfection. The way we do it and uh, the way many organizations do it is looking at that whole customer journey, that customer experience, looking at the different touch points, understanding from the customer which touch points actually have the biggest impact, and focusing on those. So you're not trying to get everything perfect. You're trying to make sure that the elements that are really important have your attention. So we know that service is really important. If you Mm -hmm. walk into a sumo store and you get a very unfriendly experience, that's not going to be great. You Mm. you may not come back. Similar, the food is really important. If you're served a salad and it doesn't taste great, it doesn't fill you up, that's not going to be good. So we make sure that the areas that matter get our focus and we look to continuously up our game and the great thing about having a network of stores is that we can do that. We can experiment, we can trial in one particular area, we can learn and then we can share and then the whole thing gets better.
2: Mm, that's awesome.
0: Lawrence, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was uh, it was fascinating uh, discussion and we really enjoyed it.
1: Great. No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Hey, Mike, awesome interview. It was really great mm. to talk to someone in the you know QSR, the quick service restaurant industry and, and uh, kind of get an understanding for how they're approaching uh, the, this idea of delighting customers. Yes. So, I'm going to throw it to you. What was your uh, takeaways from today's episode? Oh,
2: as always, there's so many, so picking two is tough. Um, I know. <laughs> one of the things that I really loved and would like to actually unpack on a separate episode is this idea of practical use of personas. Having personas, naming them, pinning them up around the wall and testing what you're doing with those personas so here is the catalog you know here is this what would Kathy think yeah. um actually for us internally we're just actually going through and creating these personas now and I love the idea of these personas not just being a one-off exercise but bringing them to life giving them names bringing them into design processes and the way that you would do something can say well what would Bob think you know in this scenario and Bob's the busy executive worker in the city so I loved the way that they bring these personas
0: to life it's interesting you say that personas and things like that I think typically sometimes gets lumped into this kind of like agency jargon kind of thing. And correct you know, when we set out to create this show, I remember you telling me that, you know, you wanted this to be no bullshit, to the point practical takeaways. And so, right. um, you know, I think there was there was some really great stuff that Lawrence mentioned there, um, today. Um and yeah, let's look let's make a mental note to unpack that again in a bit more detail from the perspective of practical takeaways and not the kind of superfluous stuff. Yes. Speaking of practical takeaways, my favorite thing uh, from today's episode was when Lawrence talked about, I think he called it the side-by-side program. I just loved how people from head office who are generally disconnected from the end customer just by virtue of working in a corporate office rather than, you know, having that kind of face to – they don't have that face to face that the, uh, that the retail staff do day in and right,
2: day out. Right, you're thinking about your internal stakeholders so much to get different things done and get budget moving or whatever it may be. And so, therefore, you know, you live in that world and it's sort of important to get out of that world to be able to go, okay – this is what it's like on the ground.
0: Yeah, so I really love that. Uh, I know there's mm. a number of brands that do that. Boost Juice is another one. Um, yeah, Office Works. Know, Yeah, Office Works does as well. Christmas time,
2: everyone at HQ at Came Out have to get out of HQ. So yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's it's a good it's it's a really good one. Um, the one that I picked up, which was actually a little bit subtle, but it was like hyper practical, which was the importance of getting the comms right to the team in the field. And what I thought was quite interesting was that they were really okay with not having this sorted. Um, I mean, if you if you if you do you know searches around like what would Google think at their HQ are some of their biggest problems. Like they all really struggle with comms. Like comms is fucking hard getting everyone on the same page. What I like about it was that they were cool to experiment, like they're trying WhatsApp, <laughs> you know, they're trying these yeah. different methods, yeah, yeah. but the focus being let's share some positive stuff because the guys on the ground, you know, they're they're disconnected from maybe some of the energy that's happening at HQ or some of the different programs. Let's get them all feeling included part of the energy and let's experiment with the ways of getting uh, comms right. So, I really, really, really liked that.
0: Yeah. And just to kind of add to that, actually, I liked the uh, the fact that Lawrence said they have some kind of rules around it being positive sharing. You know, that's a, another nice, like, really practical. It's so simple, right? Um, but, yeah. uh, but it's just a, a really great way to set something up to be a positive environment. And then my final one was um, purpose. Uh, you mm. know, we, we've talked... Uh, a couple of times with the different guests on the show about, you know, Simon Sinek's know your why. Like, why do you yeah. exist? What What are you trying to do? You know, sometimes we can get a bit distracted and, and think that that's a general marketing term and a general marketing mm. principle. But when we look at customer experience, that really has to fall out of the, yes. the brand's why. And and uh, the, the key quote um, from Lawrence was, we're not selling lunch, we're selling health. Yes, I, I wrote that down as well. That was my big one from today. So, just to sum up, my two takeaways were uh, firstly, the side-by-side program, you know, getting down into the store and, and actually learning from customers and secondly, knowing your why and your brand purpose.
2: Mm. And for me, I loved the idea of bringing personas out of the corporate workshop and bringing them to life and putting them to work, uh, making them human. And the other one is just mucking around with getting the comms right um, to the field staff and really focusing on a regular positive communication to them to really, you know, continue to boost that energy uh, across the organization great so there are our takeaways uh, as always we'd love to hear from you if there's anything that uh, comes to mind sparks an idea uh, a story or maybe a particular guest that you think does some of this well if you know someone who uh, is an expert on personas please hit us up you can email me directly at uh, michael at
0: ratedapp.com. and you can get me on adam at wavelength.audio fantastic until next time bye-bye Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is a co-production of Rate It, the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback, and Wavelength, podcasting strategy and execution. This episode was produced by Nick Jones and me, Adam Jaffrey, and edited by Josh Armour from Arma Pod Productions. Special help from the team at BE Media. And our music is by iColics and Peter Cooley. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review because it really helps other people find the show. Coming up next time on Customer Experience Leaders, we speak to a senior lecturer and marketing academic from Monash University about the challenges of creating delightful experiences in the education sector. Universities have got a lot to learn. Uh, I might be a little outspoken here. We have systems that really are, in some cases, incredibly frustrating for a new student, a new employee to navigate through. That's next time on Customer Experience Leaders. I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time.